Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast today. We are joined with a special guest and somebody that I've really wanted to have on for a long time. Uh, it's really great to get a conservation officer on the show uh, to be able to ask some questions. I think these are questions that a lot of people want to know, especially when it comes to fish houses and just kind of what are some of the rules surrounding some of the things that we may want to do uh, when we're out uh, doing our fishing in our fish houses. So we'd like to welcome to the show uh, conservation officer Corey Sura from the Minnesota DNR. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Blake. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, good to have you on. Uh, let's talk, first of all, probably the thing that, that we see so much on the YouTube videos and a lot of people really want to do is to go out and catch some fish and cook them out on the ice and, and be able to enjoy that fish dinner out on the ice. Uh, so maybe you can go through some of the kind of the rules for catching and cooking on the ice in the state of Minnesota, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. Very, very common question. Um especially here in Minnesota, you see most, if not all of our, you know, what I'll call our, some of our destination fishing lakes, walleye lakes, um, have special regulations regarding, um, you know, number of fish you can keep, um, protected slots, things that differ from our standard inland regulations. Um, so when we're looking at those lakes, we got, got some special rules that apply if we want to do um, like we call catch cook on the ice or things like that. So um, I guess to start with, if we're talking about just simply possessing fish um, on those lakes and I'll, and I'll touch specifically on, like I said, these special regulation lakes, um, like I cover Lake of the Woods, Upper Red Lake, a couple of very big destination lakes for not only Minnesota, but the Midwest and the, in the country. Um, so when we've got walleye, for example, we've got um, length restrictions, number restrictions that are special and spe specifically designated on those lakes compared to inland water. So we can't possess any cleaned or flayed fish on those special regulation lakes unless we're in the act of preparing a meal. Meaning what I'll tell people when I'm checking them out on the lakes is um, basically the grease has got to be going, you got your fish batter out, you're ready to roll. Um, otherwise, Simply put, you basically can't clean your fish because what it states is you got to have head, fins, skin, tail intact on that fish. Because as an officer on these special regulations, there's three things we got to be able to do. Identify that fish, count that fish, and measure that fish, which is why we need those fish intact to do those three things, essentially. Um, you want to eat those fish out on the lake, that's great. You can do that lawfully. Another thing you need to remember to do is you need to retain those carcasses for the remainder of that day because they're going to count towards your daily limit. You know, of course, you can't just catch a limit's worth of fish, fry them up, eat them up, and catch a limit in the same day. So, you know, yeah. you, you've already touched on whether or not the fish should be intact, um, what you need to do with those remains. Obviously, you need to hold on to those till you leave the lake. Um, when it comes to fishing, say you're on a fishing trip, you're staying out on the ice, you catch your limit Friday, you eat those Friday night. 
at midnight on Saturday, or are you then allowed to keep another limit? Or when does that kind of reset for you when you're out on the ice? I would say, yeah, I mean, technically, Saturday is a new day, right? It's a, it's a new day. Um, it, it can be a little gray sometimes because what it says is that you do, like I said, you do need to retain those carcasses from, say, the fish you ate that you caught Friday. You need to retain those. However, at the same time, you know, say you hit Saturday midnight, um, technically, any carcass, any piece of fish that you have in your possession counts as fish towards your possession. Um, that's where it can get a little gray. Um, we might have the opportunity to use some discretion. You know, I'm checking guys out on Lake of the Woods that are 20 plus miles out on the lake easily. Um, you know, do I necessarily expect them to, to run all the way in on the ice? You know, sometimes that takes two hours just to get back into shore. Um, just to dump those carcasses off, it can vary. Um, most guys, what I see is they'll have, you know, it's pretty distinct. They'll have a big garbage bag going. They'll have, they'll have carcasses separate, separated out by day. Um, so it does state you need to retain those fish for the day. However, there's nothing that says you have to dispose of them after one day, but at the same time, Technically, per statute, those fish, any of the carcasses in your possession count as, as fish in your possession. Um, I know that's <laughs> kind of gray, kind of complex, which is a lot of our work sometimes. Um, but yep. like I said, we do we do get a good tool called discretion that we use often. So I, I think what you're probably saying is if you're going to spend three days and you're 20 miles out in the lake of the woods, you know, you may want to do a a Friday bag, a Saturday bag, and then if you're fishing Sunday, you know, be be super nice to the seal that comes up to you and try to explain uh, what's going on there. And as long as you kind of have your bases covered, I, I think for the most part, uh, people are, are probably gonna gonna see what's going on and understand the situation you're in. Right. Yep. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's talk about uh, fish house registration. It's something that. Uh, comes up a lot in the forums as well. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about the requirements for permanent houses? If somebody's pulling a wheelhouse up, what do they need to have and what do they need to be displaying to be legal on Minnesota waters? Yeah, great question, Chris. Um, something that did change a number of years back now, I want to say at least five years ago, where it used to be that you could have a hard-sided house, a wheelhouse, whatever you want to call it. Um, and if it was only out during the day, that did not require any shelter license. However, that's been changed for several years now. So any shelter on the lake besides a portable style house requires a shelter license. So as a resident, you can buy a one-year or a three-year license. And a non-resident, you have a seven-day option, a one-year, a three-year. So essentially, you have to display that tag so it can be seen from outside the house. And then in addition to that license tag, you've got to have identification on it. Um, on the outside of the house as well. That can be name and address, your driver's license number, or your um, Minnesota DNR number, which is the nine-digit number you see at the top of your fishing license. That's good to know. So you kind of already answered my next question, which was going to be out of state. So how does the how do the rules differ for somebody if they're using a portable fish house versus a permanent? 
And then, you know, is it different if you're spending the night out there or is it the same regardless for a portable shelter? Yeah. So portable, um, kind of like I touched on, if you're out during the day in your portable with your portable, I should say too, doesn't require any of the shelter license. Unless you're leaving that shelter unattended overnight, then you would need a shelter license for a portable style fish house, a pop-up, a sled, um, the suitcase style, which you don't see too much anymore. But So to, to add to that question, I guess, if you, maybe you're out on one of these destination lakes, you decide to leave your fish house out during the middle of the day, it's unattended, you're not leaving it overnight, maybe you run into shore to grab lunch or something, you come back. In that situation, would you want to have your portable house have that registration as well yep technically on the portable yep. yes i should have clear i should have clarified and it does say this right in the reg books um i think it's page 74 when we talk about ice shelters page 74 75 it specifically on portables not only leaving them overnight um, but states being greater than 200 feet away from your your portable house or, or leaving it unattended essentially even during the daytime great there you go. Uh, let's talk fish houses as, as a domicile. It's something that you see a lot. I think uh, there's been maybe a few court cases on it. There's been there's certainly a lot of talk about it uh, on the forums. Um, what are some of the rules and regulations as far as a conservation officer uh, being able to enter your fish house? Sure. Yeah, Chris, you're right. Um, a lot surrounding this in recent years um, does vary state to state. Um, but here in Minnesota, yes, we the courts of Minnesota have have deemed that an ice house, an ice shelter on the ice, you are it's considered a domicile essentially. You you have the same expectation to privacy in that shelter as you would in your home. Um, so, in regards to conservation officers entering those shelters, we require you know consent, voluntary consent, uh, probable cause, or a warrant. So. 99% of the checks I'm doing, I knock on the door, announce myself as a game warden, say what I'm doing there, checking fish, checking licenses, and it's, yeah, come on in, want some coffee, want a water, etc. Um, they don't, an individual does not have to allow you into their shelter for me to do my inspection, my regulatory inspection. Um, some people choose to, to use that option, and that's fine. I stay at the door, they bring me their license, they bring me their fish. Um, I wanna see that they're using in Minnesota here, you know, two lines per person, and that's fine too. Um, yeah, but like I said, I mean, 99% of the folks that we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis are more than willing, but yeah. Does that cover that, Chris? Yeah, I think so. Blake's got a little bit of a follow-up to that. Yeah, you know, in, in Wisconsin, yeah. there's some rules surrounding door locking. Uh, is there any specific rules about locking your door um, on the ice? I mean, in, in Minnesota, they have to have, you have to have probable cause. Like you said, you have to have consent. Um, so are there any specific rules around locking your doors or anything like that? No, no, there's nothing specific around um, locking shelter doors, anything like that. Where you're maybe leading up to here is... Um, is maybe talking about allowing inspection. Um, if it gets to that point where, where it's known to me, I have probable cause that, that you are engaged in fishing at that time, 
that's when I have that regulatory inspection authority where I where I am required to see those the license, your fish, your equipment being used. Um, and that's where you can get kind of into a pickle with obstructing or failing to allow inspection potentially. Okay. That makes that sense. Answer? Yeah, you can absolutely lock your doors. I mean, if I was staying out in a in a shelter overnight, I would lock my door, certainly. I mean Perfect. Let's talk about the end of the season and getting those shelters off the ice. Obviously, most of the people with a wheelhouse are going to be able to get those shelters off the ice. But you see so many skid houses and kind of homemade rigs out there all the time. Tell us a little bit about the standard dates for removal in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, sure. So we got up here, we got the uh, different dates per, per inland and border waters. Um, I'm just going to pop open the book right now and I can get the specific dates here. So I don't goof them for this coming year. Um, so basically, Minnesota, we got a north zone and a south zone. South zone for the coming 2023 is going to be March 6th. The north zone, which is basically north of Highway 234, 200, um, basically a line from, from Moorhead to Duluth, that's going to be March 20th. Then you get up on Lake of the Woods here. That's the same every year. It's March 31st on the on the Canadian border waters up here. Now, I'm going to add to that, Chris, just because that date is set in a book does not mean you should wait to the last minute to that date every year. Um, I'm sure you guys seen plenty of the videos on Facebook or YouTube or whatever this year on people pulling houses off Lake of the Woods up here and the amount of waters that we had on the ice roads um, simply due primarily to the amount of snow we had up. Big, huge snow banks on the sides of the roads that they're plowing creates that downward pressure, floods the roads. Um, you saw trucks pulling, pulling skid houses off with, you know, water up to the running boards on their trucks. Um, keep an eye on the weather. If it looks like it's going to maybe be in early spring, get out there and get your, get your house off. Cause it's going to be easier to pull it off a week early or something than it is to be getting yourself in a pickle on the last day or, or something like that. Yeah. So in the instance that uh, somebody doesn't get it off in time, what, I guess, what happens there? And then, you know, are there, are there ever situations where there are extensions that are granted? Um, you know, maybe somebody can't get it off for some reason and can they call the DNR and ask for an extra week or how does that work? I can't say anything concrete on that. I would say if you are in a situation like that, yeah, call, call us. Um, we might deal with it differently as an individual or the location depending on um, what i've seen up here is guys get in trouble um you know they don't have the equipment that they need to to get their house off or or whatever it may be um i've put people in touch with some of the local resorts that have that specialty equipment um of course usually they're gonna not do it for free either um but those you know some of the resort folks they've been able to help out in circumstances like that so i would say yeah absolutely the best thing to do is start is going to be to call us and let us know i get it i mean things happen sometimes that's going to be your best start rather than one of us running into your house um two weeks after two weeks after the pull-off date and then we're clueless on why a house is still out there so if yeah, it's, if a house is abandoned what happens in that situation somebody just doesn't pull it off it depends. Um, <laughs> it seems more oftentimes than not that the houses that are abandoned don't have that required um, identification on it. 
um, basically the house will get seized by by us um hopefully you have that id on there we can contact you get things sorted out um but otherwise in that case yeah we can't really just let a let a house sink to the bottom of the lake i just uh, actually thought of another question um how about fires i see a lot of people want to do the fire thing out on the ice and have a campfire is there any kind of special regulations surrounding a, a campfire on the ice as long as you're cleaning up everything when you leave okay good to go let's yeah. talk about actually that's that actually leads us really well into our next question it's something that uh, we're seeing more and more and i think it's a good thing that people are becoming more and more aware of this uh situations where people are leaving garbage on the ice uh situations where maybe people are actually even uh letting their sewage hit the ice how is that handled by by the dnr enforcement office um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, especially up here. I'll touch base on on a campaign we have up here specifically on Lake the Woods and Red Lake. Yeah, it is a problem. You're absolutely right. Um, I think nobody can disagree that in the last 10 years, we'll say, um, the increase in, in just ice fishing pressure in general, you know, people buying um, wheelhouse type houses, hard side houses. Um, and getting out on the ice to, to enjoy the outdoors in the winter time is the increase has been exponential. Unfortunately, with that, we're seeing a large increase in in litter, garbage, sewer septic um, left on the ice in the spring, and and it's quite disgusting. Um, it's it's litter to make it simple is how we handle it. When and if we can catch it, it it's unfortunately very difficult. You know, you look at Lake of the Woods and you got how many thousand ice houses um and i pull up to a slip where there was an ice house and there's garbage it's it's very difficult obviously for me to determine who left that there or where it came from or how long it's been there yeah i was saying we do get people that will that'll call that in they'll they'll see people that have left their garbage bags or they're actively dumping their their septic or gray water or whatever ever onto the ice um in cases where they call us get us a vehicle description a wheelhouse description a license plate something like that we've got a chance of catching them coming off the ice maybe yeah so kind of just the simple adage of see something say something you know right yeah and, and it's just there's no excuse for it so uh if you're listening and, and you're planning a, a, a trip on the ice be prepared to bring that garbage off with you uh, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the environment. It just makes everybody look bad. So uh, just be prepared to take everything off that you're bringing out with you and, and just hey, let's let's make our lakes a better place. Blake, go ahead. Yeah, so I think a, kind of our last section of questions we had is relates to the requirements surrounding ATVs and snowmobile use on the ice. So for, you know, a resident of Minnesota, what are kind of the, the rules and requirements when it comes to permits or licenses to operate a, an ATV or snowmobile on the ice? Yeah, so first and foremost would be registration on your, on your machines. Um, uh, ATV is what we're going to see probably first and foremost early season here coming up. <clears throat> as long as it's currently registered right now, those are going to be good for the first a little bit of early ice they do expire at the end of december which is where we'll see people still um running atvs and stuff in january and stuff that um you know sometimes forget that the registration expired 
December 31st. And then um, same with snowmobile. So both ATV and snowmobile, you require registration to operate on public waters. And snowmobile basically right now um, has to have renewed registration because those expire over the summer, uh, June 31st. Um, and just on top of that, the minor stuff, um, you know, require your ATV or or snowmobile safety operators permit. You've done your safety training class, basically. Um, individuals under 18 wearing helmets. All right, uh, let's talk about out of state. I mean, I, I live in Wisconsin and I often uh, am fishing in Minnesota. My ATV is registered in Wisconsin, but I'm going to be fishing in Minnesota. Do I need to do anything special for that? Nope. You got valid registration, valid Wisconsin registration um, on your ATV there. You're good to go. Um, the only thing where that could, could differ is if for whatever reason, and we see it sometimes that you're, you're leaving that machine in Minnesota for an extended period of time. Um, but if it's primary and out of state um, machine and it's got valid registration for that state, then you're good here. It's good to know. So another thing here that kind of, like Chris said, we both live in Wisconsin. So one thing that's come up here in recent years is kind of the number of people that you can have on a machine. So if you don't have a two up four wheeler, you can't have two people on, on that four wheeler, even on the ice. Does that differ in Minnesota? Can you, can you, it's just a standard one man ATV or one man snowmobile. Can you have two people on there legally in Minnesota? Yes, but that's going to vary by age to you know, adults, no problem, you know, up to what that machine's rated for, like you said. Um, where we see sometimes is we can't have some of our youth operators um, having other youth passengers, and there's some specific requirements on that. Um, I do want to note really quick so I don't forget regarding snowmobile registration and non-resident um especially up here on lake of the woods we have the snowmobile trail that'll run up to the northwest angle that people will take to fish you're, as a non-resident you're going to require to have a non-resident trail pass so i wanted to get that in there so i didn't forget about that if if you have an atv and you're using it on that trail I mean, or adjacent to that trail, I guess, would you be required to have a trail pass as well? Or is it only for snowmobiles? No. So <laughs> I'm glad you said adjacent to that trail, Blake, because yes. so here we have we have granted aid snowmobile trails that are for snowmobiles only. Um, yep. Which means snowmobiles doesn't mean ATVs with tracks, doesn't mean side-by-sides with tracks. They can certainly use those marked trails, like you said, outside of it as a as guidance. To get up but they can't be on on that trail it's a groomed trail that's dollars that are coming from snowmobile registration to have those trails groomed and maintained so they're for snowmobiles good to know yeah that's really good stuff uh corey we're, we're kind of wrapping up here i think we threw quite a few questions at you that that we were wondering about is there anything that you see come up on a daily basis or on a regular basis in your job uh that we didn't ask you about that you think is important no, you know what? I think we hit all the big ones. I did want to touch um, briefly talking about litter quick. Um, Lake of the Woods for, I think, going on their 13th year now has had a, a Keep It Clean campaign. Um, recently in the last year, also Upper Red Lake and Mille Lacs, as of right now, have taken on the same initiative. Um, 
just kind of a get the word out there, keep our lakes clean. Like we talked about earlier, it's, I think we all agree that it's a little bit sad as adults that we have to start a big campaign and get the word out to pick up your garbage, but that's what it is, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully you're seeing some of the ads and the signage. I know they just put out a new um, advertisement too for the keep it clean campaign. Um, so hopefully folks abide by that, see that pick up, up get the memo. You know, it, like I said, it's, it shouldn't be this difficult to pick up our garbage, but apparently it is. Um, another thing really briefly, if we got a minute, just talking ice safety, we're rolling into early ice up here in our neck of the woods real soon. Um, you know, no, no ice is safe ice, right? And a fish isn't worth your life. So just take a second thought before you go out. Um, and if you are going to go out, have some of the proper safety equipment, you know, bring your ice picks, have a float suit, wear a life jacket. I mean, yeah, it might look a little funny, but it's not going to look funny if it saves your life, right? Um, keep them, some of those things into consideration. Ice is different every year. We see it on Upper Red Lake every single year where we might have spots of, you know, six, eight, ten inches of ice. And 100 yards away, there might be open water. Um, so just keep ice safety in mind rolling into this time of year. Yeah, for sure. I see uh, so many people out there. And with social media, it seems like they're racing to get out there to be able to post <laughs> the first picture of, of themselves on the ice. So uh, a lot of risk comes yeah, with I that. Yeah, I think you're so, right, Chris. Yeah, just make sure that uh, you're doing the right thing. And, and there certainly are places where, especially in the next few days, where people are definitely going to be able to get out and do some ice fishing. But uh, just make sure, like you said, you've got those safety things Tell people you're going, take a rope, take, you know, some either float suit or a life jacket. That's the cool thing. I mean, everybody, we've all got these great, uh, these great uh, um, suits that have flotation in them. But uh, if you can't afford that, throw a life jacket on and at least you know that you've got some protection in case you do go through. And, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, if it does, be prepared. Absolutely. Corey, just want to thank you for coming on. Appreciate you taking some time and, and really answering some questions. And there, there are so many gray area type of things, and, and it's tough um, to really kind of nail down a lot of stuff. But I think you've definitely answered a lot of questions for a lot of people on this show. Uh, appreciate you coming on, taking the time to do that. And also just want to thank you for doing what you do. Uh, without people like you, we just can't have uh, the things that we have. And it, you just need to be out there and protecting the resource and just making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, appreciate you coming on the show and just appreciate what you do. Yeah, appreciate all that, Chris. Thank you. And, you know, again, if, if there was gray area in this show, you know, your listeners, reach out to one of us. I tell folks I'd rather spend five, ten minutes on the phone or having a chat with you. Um rather than having to bump into you in the field or on the ice and and possibly giving you some paperwork, you know, because you were confused on something and didn't ask maybe that we're here. We're here to answer those questions and make sure folks are out doing it right. Very good. Corey Sura, Blake Tollison. Uh, just want to thank everybody for listening and watching this week, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.